I'll leave a little bit of time for questions at the end if there are any. So the question for us to answer is, what do we do when we become aware of a huge burden that someone else is carrying? Right? Are they in one type of unhealthy relationship dynamic that we just discussed? What do you do? What do you do if someone calls you in the middle of the night and says, I just caught someone, my spouse, sleeping with someone else? What do you do? Where do you ask? You you call Lynette and don't ask any questions. So what do you... Watch out. Watch out. Well, then I don't even need to preach anymore. So what do, we, what do we do when we find out someone in our church is in a verbally or emotionally abusive relationship? What if the burden's something else? What if somebody in the church has a child that was just diagnosed with terminal cancer? How do we, how do we handle these things? Families in our churches can be stricken with all sorts of afflictions, and These afflictions are each a chance for us to surround the hurting family in love and to help bear those burdens. We help carry the burdens. And so although I'll be citing several different texts this afternoon, my main text is simply that, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so my first point is, Merely that, the call for us to bear burdens. We're called to do this. Not generally as the church, but individually. We are all Christians, anointed with the Holy Spirit, supernaturally empowered, gifted in different ways, but equally gifted by the Holy Spirit and enabled to be used for God's glory. And so the starting point for our call to bear burdens is really God's initiative-taking love. God's love is the starting point. If you think of the book of Ephesians, there's six chapters. And the first chapter talks about us being chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us to be adopted. Adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. His love took the initiative to reach out to us and to redeem us. All of that is fleshed out through the first half of Ephesians. We have grace By grace, through faith, we have this salvation, this unity that we have because of the gospel, chapter 2 and 3. And then the latter half of the book hinges in Ephesians 4.1. It says, therefore, right? That's the hinge of the whole book. In light of all of this initiative-taking love of God and all of these repercussions of his initiative-taking work, therefore, and only then, do we start talking about What do we do? God acted, so now we can act. Therefore, having been saved by God's initiative-taking love, we're called to exhibit initiative-taking love for one another. Initiative-taking love. God's love motivates. It fuels our love. 
And our love should be for one another. Did you know that there's over 59 instances of the one another's in the New Testament? And at least a third of those deal with loving one another. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 references to love one another. Through love, serve one another, Galatians 5, 13. Tolerate one another in love, Ephesians 4, 2. Greet one another with a holy kiss of love. I'll let you apply that later. Number five, be devoted to one another in love, Romans 12, 10. And of all of these 59 instances that I looked at, not one of them was commanded to a pastor. Right? It's commanded to the church, to the whole church. The church is equipped by the Holy Spirit to help bear these burdens and is called to love one another. It's not just the trained counselors, not just the pastors, not just the deacons that are qualified, that have the credentials for burden bearing. Right? There's no, there's no card that we have as pastors that says we can do that. Each and every member is called and equipped. We're not equally equipped in the same way, but we're all called to help in some way however small it may seem. And so I have seven practical ways for us to minister to hurting families and to bear burdens. And they're not necessarily in sequential order. You might implement these in different sequences. Some of these you may never have to use. In fact, I hope that you never have to, but you probably will. But these are seven tools to have in our tool belt. First, Pray. Pray. And it sounds uber spiritual, right? Somebody's in a, in a ditch over there. Oh, okay, I'm going to pray now. But if we're honest, we, we often feel like prayer is the least effective option, right? I want to get out there and do something, especially us men, right? I want to get out there and solve the problem. I'm wired that way. But when we pray, we're helping take the burden that's on another brother and sister and not merely helping carry that load. We're taking it to the presence of the Father, the one who can actually meet the need. We're taking that hard trial, that affliction, and we're placing it at the feet of the only person that can do something effectual about it. If the burden is a physical need, he has the means to meet it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and is in no way bound by our limited wallets. If the burden is, is a thorny knot, a complex situation that we can't figure it out, he has the wisdom to unravel it all. The Bible says that with wisdom he laid the foundations of the, of the earth. If the burden is an issue of contentment or satisfaction, he is the one that can satisfy every desire of our heart. If the burden is an issue of weakness, of stamina, of strength, he has the power to overcome it. He set up the heavens like a canopy and the stars in the sky like a tent. He parted the Red Sea and brought Israel out by his mighty arm. He is powerful enough to handle this burden. Prayer should be our first stop when we're bearing burdens. Because we aren't strong enough. Have you thought about this? How many of us are strong enough to handle our own burdens by ourselves? None of us. Then why in the world would we think we could handle somebody else's too? We cannot. We are not capable. So prayer needs to be just our knee-jerk reaction. Something bad happens. Lord, help me. Help me help them. 
What do I need to do? First step in burden bearings, pray. Second, a second, remember not necessarily the second, but a second way that we can bear burdens is to meet physical needs. If needed, we need to bear burdens by meeting physical needs. We see this at the end of Acts 4. It says, there was not a needy person among them for As many as were owners of lands or houses sold them, and they brought their proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as had need. And thus Joseph, who was called by the twelve Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it to the apostles' feet. It's very very matter of fact. You get the idea from this text? There was a little fuss about it. Right? He saw a need. Well, well, I'm going to fix that. I, I could do it. I can do it. He saw a need. He sold a field he didn't need anymore, and he gave the money. And some of us are in the financial situation that we can help needs like that. The needs may look different, but we can help carry the load. If it's an instance of domestic violence, then we might have to get the wife and children a place to sleep one night. If it's a late night call from DHR to drop off a foster child, then someone might need you to help take the kids to carpool the next day. Maybe we need some babysitting while the child is taken to the doctor. Maybe a family has a special needs child that requires some additional care and attention. And you can help by bringing a meal or helping with yard work or giving, giving some money to help just ease the anxiety that the house is totally feeling at that moment. There are hundreds of ways that we can help meet physical, tangible needs. And when we do that, we're thereby showing the love of God. We're becoming a vehicle for God's blessing to others. God is opening up his storehouses, and you get to be a part of that. You can see my previous sermons on Proverbs about that, giving to the Lord. One way that we can help bear burdens is to meet physical needs. Third, another way that we can help bear burdens is if necessary, make sure that everyone is safe. If necessary, make sure that everyone is safe. This, this point might have been assumed under the last point of make, meeting physical needs, but I want to make it crystal clear. There's no confusion. If someone is in danger, they need to be taken out of danger. This could be someone in a domestic violence situation. This could be someone who is under the influence of controlled substances or alcohol and is a threat to themselves or to others. This could be someone who's under crippling depression and is having terrible thoughts that might lead to self-harm. This could be someone in an emotional state. I had a call at three in the morning, someone weeping, because they had just discovered their spouse in adultery. And one of my first questions was, where are you? Are, are you okay? And they said, oh, I'm driving down the interstate. I said, you got to get off the interstate. You are in control of a one-ton vehicle, and you are physically shaping, and your tears are uncontrollably blinding your vision. Get off the road. You have to get them where they're safe. Part of bearing burdens for our brothers and sisters is helping take care of them even when they deny the danger that they're actually in. 
if necessary, we have to make sure everyone is safe. Fourth, a fourth way that we can help bear burdens is to love by listening closely. Is to love by listening very closely. This is part of being faithful to weep with those who are weeping and mourn with those who are mourning. And when I say listen closely, I mean that we should listen to hear, not merely listen to speak, right? When they're talking, we're not back there processing what we're going to say next that's going to solve their problem. We're listening to hear. We're not trying to formulate everything we're going to say. One way that we love our neighbor as ourselves is listening to the manner, or in the manner, that we would want to be listened to. And so let me give you eight real quick things about listening, for us to remember about listening. And these are from a Christian counselor, adapted from something Brad Hambrick wrote. So when we're listening, we want to, number one, show and maintain interest. We want to show and maintain interest. Sometimes that's easy, right? When we're talking with our friends, it takes zero effort for us to maintain interest because we're talking about something we both like and it's naturally interesting to us. But sometimes they can be talking about things that it takes effort for us to actively listen. And we need to be able to do that. We want to apply ourselves and show them that we're interested. And when we do that, we're showing them that we value the relationship. We want to show and maintain interest. Second, we want to listen well by honoring through our body language. Right? We want to honor through our body language. Right? How we act communicates, even when our mouth is shut. If someone comes to my office and wants to talk to me, and I'm sitting back in my chair like this, I'm communicating to them. Usually not a good thing. Or if they're talking to me and I keep doing this, uh-huh, yep, I'm communicating to them. And it's usually hateful communication if that's how I'm behaving. We want to have eye contact and pleasant facial expressions. We want to kind of lean forward to show them that we're engaged, not, you know, like a close talker on Seinfeld, but we want to. We want to remove distractions. We want to honor them through our body language. Because when they don't think we're listening all the way, they might be tempted to force what they're saying. To try and reel you back in. And they're probably not going to come talk to you again if you're always distracted. And so we want to honor them through our body language. Third, one way that we can love through listening is by clarifying confusing points. We want to clarify confusing points. And often we can do this even non-verbally. So if we kind of tilt our head a little bit or we squint our eyes, people know, okay, they're not tracking with me anymore. I need to back up and explain. Um, And we want to assume the best. We want to assume that there's a good answer. So if they're talking and it's not quite making sense, we want to assume that it does and we just didn't quite hear it right. And so we ask them, well, how do these things fit together? Rather than, well, how can those things fit together? You see the difference there? How do they fit together assumes that there is a rational explanation. How can they fit together assumes that something, something, they're not thinking right. It's impossible. 
And times of confusion can be critical junctures where grace can leave our communication. So we want to be gracious and clarify confusing points. Fourth way we can love through listening is to summarize the information. Right? Summarize the information. If someone comes and, and unloads a whole bunch of information or a big long story... And then I can summarize their 15 minutes of talking in just about 30 seconds of bullet points. They feel loved because they know I've been listening. I know that I have the accurate high points of the story. And I can be assured that my counsel is actually addressing the main issue. If I start going off on a tangent about other non-important details of the story, or if I've missed some glaring points in the story and I start giving them counsel, I may not even be addressing the main issue. And so summarizing the information communicates to them that they are loved, they've been loved by being listened to, and it makes sure that I have the right response that's pertaining to the important details of the story. Fifth, I want to listen to honor and to affirm. I want to listen to honor and to affirm. Right, when you get involved with some burden-bearing situations, it may, be, it may be murky, it may be sticky, it may be a lot of gray, right? There's usually sin on both sides. Sometimes it's single-sided, but usually in burden-bearing, there's some sin from different parties. And so it's good for us to listen to affirm and to honor, not merely to listen to correct, Right? We know that progress and growth and change can happen as a result of communication. And it's not always just the result of negative communication, right? Corrective discipline. Well, here's what you should have done. I can also listen to affirm. Brother, you did, you did really well. You know, not, not getting mad here. But where, where you lost it was slipping your tongue right here. You know? I want to I affirm the good where I see it. And not just keep hacking at the negative. I don't want to depress. I want to honor the good, honor the accurate, honor the noble in what's being said. Sixth, I want to listen like I'm taking a good prayer request. I want to listen like I'm taking a good prayer request. It's a good litmus test for you to know if you've listened well. Could you pray well for the friend that's been talking to you? Do you, do you have, are you listening closely enough and getting enough information that you can well represent your friend's concern? That's what we want to do. We want to listen well so that we can know that we can pray for them well. Number seven, if you don't know what to say while you're listening, then ask more questions. If you don't know what to say, then ask more questions. Sometimes when we're thrust into a situation, we feel pressure because we don't know what to say. And that pressure will distract us from listening well. Right? Somebody calls you and gives you, just backs the truck up and unloads all this stuff, and you don't have a clue where to begin. And so you start thinking, well, what Bible verse am I going to have? Who do... Who can we call in the church and what do I do? And you have 
30 seconds have elapsed and you have not listened to a word they were saying. We want to listen well. We don't want to be like the person who so badly wants sleep that their desire for sleep is preventing them from falling asleep. I've been there. I hope maybe you have. It's terrible. We want to listen well when we're relaxed, right? Otherwise, our fears focus on us and our performance, right? Maybe I'm not a good Christian because I don't even know what to say right now. I don't know a Bible verse that deals with that. That's okay. You're not omniscient. Your friends know that. Just ask more questions. Give yourself that freedom. And men, especially, this is hard for us. It's hard for me. I want to be a fixer, right, as I said earlier. I, want, I, I just need a little bit of the story just to get to the ballpark of what's going on, and then I've got the advice for you right here. That's, that's I, I like, I, and it works in parts of my job. Right? I'm in charge of the building. You can give me just a little description of what's going on with air handler unit number three over here, and I can tell you what's wrong. I can tell you how to solve it. I don't need to hear about any peripheral thermostats. I, I can solve it. But when I act that way, when I'm talking to Christians, especially women, I have short-circuited a whole part of the progress, and I'm usually the one that gets electrocuted, right? <laughs> so we need to listen lovingly, which means not merely asking questions about data, which we need. We need the facts of what's going on. But we need more than that. Women live with much of their being connected in the level of feelings, and that is a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. That's how God has wired them, and that's why they're such a good complement to men, some of whom have feelings. And so we need to understand how God has wired them, and then we need to be intentional in asking questions at that level. This is kind of humorous because I'm, I need to remember what I'm telling you right now. And so these, simples could, these questions could be simple, right? Well, when this incident, when this traumatic episode happened, you know, what, what were you feeling in that moment, right? You could be as blatant as that, guys. It doesn't take him a lot of imagination. What was going on inside of you when, when you were saying all that to your husband, Right? How are you feeling right now thinking back on that episode? Are you, are you feeling something now having to think back on a traumatic episode back then, right? So see how we're not just talking about what happened back there, but there are lingering effects, shock waves going through the rest of their life because of that traumatic experience and helping them process the now in light of the then will help them to come. If you don't know what to say, you need to ask more questions. And then eighth, simply, when we are loving well through listening, we, we need to thank them for speaking to you. Thank them. Thank you for being willing to come and speak to me about that. I know how it's got to be so hard talking about all of this terrible stuff, right? And the more difficult the situation is, the harder it will be for them to even talk about it. Right? They're thinking about their guilt in the situation. They're thinking about shame. They're thinking about their finances. They're thinking about everything. 
And you can thank them for being willing to open up. And hopefully that will grease the skids and encourage them to continue opening up so that you can continue to be a blessing to them. We should be mindful of how we listen to our brothers and sisters and listening well, because listening well is loving well. And loving well means bearing burdens well. So back out to our major list. A fifth way that we can bear one another's burdens is to encourage with basic truth. Encourage with basic truth. When people are going through tough, traumatic trials, they most often need to hear VBS-level truth. Right? The ABCs of the faith is what they need to hear. They're not craving abstract philosophical speculations. They're probably not craving some wonderful quote from a 17th century theologian. Right? Some may. Not many. They usually need to hear basic truth, right? God loves you. God has not forgotten about you. God is, God is still good. I know that this, is, this is, feels like hell that you're going through, but God is still good. And he has promised that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Nothing can snatch you from his hand. Right? Just go to John 10. Let Jesus comfort their soul. Sometimes it may be other truths that we need to remind them of. Sometimes a godly friend will be needed just to remind them of the past. Sometimes abuse victims will sometimes change their minds. They don't want to press forward with counseling or they don't want to press forward with consequences for the abuser. And so sometimes we have to encourage them down the path by reminding them of the past. I know it's not pleasant asking your husband to be out of the house for a while, but we have to remember the way that he's behaving, and we have to protect you and the kids. We have to remember. I know your wife has been so sweet in the past few weeks, but remember how manipulative she's been? Just because she's quickly said, I'm sorry, doesn't mean that her repentance is genuine. Let's give it a little more time before we bring everything back together. Sometimes a loving friend just has to remind them of the past. We need basic VBS level truth when life gets hard. And sometimes that truth may not even be what they want to hear. But we have to love them enough to speak the truth in love, even when it may be unwelcomed at first. Six, the sixth way to help bear burdens is involve those in authority when necessary. Involve the appropriate authority when necessary. When we're thinking of some of these difficult life experiences and who we need to contact and who we don't need to contact, well, we need to try and process these things. We need to remember that some sins are not necessarily crimes. Some crimes are not necessarily sins. So, like, uh, if a the government forces a doctor to give an abortion. He says, no, that may be a crime, but it's not sinful. Um, if a crime has been committed, then law enforcement needs to be notified. Period. Full stop. And if you're not sure, 
You can always call and ask them. Let them determine it. If no crime has been committed, but there's been, there are still serious needs or greater care than you can give, then absolutely involve the spiritual authorities in their life. Call the pastors. Pastors are called by God and set apart to help handle these hard spiritual matters. And one thing to remember when it comes to someone in sin, it's not necessarily gossip to inform those in authority when someone is in sin. We can be so afraid of gossiping, which is a good impulse, that we don't speak when we need to. It's unloving for us to let someone continue to drift down the path of sin and not try and get help for them. When necessary, we need to contact the appropriate authorities, whether that means law enforcement, pastors, parents, whomever. And by doing so, we can help share burdens. Seventh, last point, a seventh way that we can help bear one another's burdens is to comfort others with the comfort you have received. Comfort others with the comfort that you have received. Some of us have been through horrific trials in our lives. We've seen things, we've experienced things, we've felt things that we would never wish upon anyone else. And God has brought us through it. He has comforted us. And the Bible tells us that one of the reasons that he comforts us through affliction is so that we can be prepared to comfort others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort others who are in affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted by God. You've been given a gift. And that gift needs to be passed on. One of the best things for people to hear when they go through a tough trial is you're not alone. You're not alone. Satan wants them to think that way. Right? Nobody in the church just goes through this. Right? I'm the only one. Nobody knows what I'm feeling. But when we hear that other people have gone through this trial... That God has been faithful to preserve them and that he will bring them through this. We can be encouraged. And when you're able to bring personal testimony to this, all the better. In fact, you may have gone through a bitter trial earlier in life and have spent years wondering why, God, did you let that happen? One reason might just be so that someone someday ahead of you you'll be able to bless by helping carry their burden through the same trial. You may be suffering right now, and the current suffering is only making you a better counselor and a burden bearer in the years to come. That'll help you persevere now. Not the only reason, but that is a motivation for us to persevere well. Afflictions have multiple fruit in our lives, and one of the choicest fruits is to refine us to be more capable burden bearers because it, it, it increases our dependence upon God. It's, a, it's really a fascinating analogy, right? Bearing one another's burdens is kind of agricultural 
animal husbandry language. We're yoked together and we're doing work, but afflictions come and can spiritually, emotionally, sometimes even physically hurt us, maim us, cripple us. But when it does, it takes our dependence off ourselves and it drives us to God. So we may feel weaker, but we're actually a stronger burden bearer because our dependence is upon God and not on ourselves. So we can feel crippled, but it's God's power coming through our own weakness. And that weakness is actually a strength when it comes to sharing one another's burdens. So... In conclusion, these are seven ways for us to be burden bearers for God's people and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, I've got time for questions if anybody has questions for the floor. Uh, or I'd be available to speak afterwards. All of our pastors would be if you have questions.